Hallelujah! Yeah! That's in case the kitchen didn't get it. Thank you, Lord! Thank you, Jesus! Alright, come on in, get a seat! Hey, Ben, how are you? Sprang and he can't hear when other people talk. Where's Anna? They're coming in. Hi, Eddie. Alright, Father God, we praise you, we thank you for your mercy, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, that, and we thank you that we are your children. Mm -hmm. We have joy in our hearts knowing that, regardless of what happens here on this earth, we are going to be in eternity with you forever. And we thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so good to us. You are so awesome. What an awesome God. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. I'm... I'm very excited about this message. Um, there are a lot of things that um, are, I don't know, I hate to say taken for granted, but just known uh, inside of Christian circles that in my early discipleship of Christianity was neglected or I just didn't understand it. And one of those was the blood of Jesus Christ. I, You know, I didn't understand people pleading the blood. I mean, I knew what it had done, but I, I just... I was ignorant. You wrote a book on that subject. Yeah, and so I, 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 I endeavored to I'm rectify my. Yeah, I endeavored to rectify my ignorance, and the result of that was the first book I ever wrote, which is the Blood of Jesus Christ. So, this is uh, the title. of This message is a blood cleared conscience. A blood cleared conscience. Hebrews nine, thirteen through fourteen. So I know we live in an age of digital Bibles, which is kind of cool. Um, if you have an actual, uh, you know, real Bible, Bible. Bible, you have a real Bible. Uh, you have a pen. You have some highlighter. As the Holy Spirit taps your shoulder, go ahead and use that. These pages get replicated. What's what's sacred is your relationship with God. So don't be afraid to write in your Bible. As a matter of fact, don't be afraid to write in any book. But really, don't be afraid to write in the Bible, <laughs> because. It, it becomes a record. If you have a Bible you use as a devotional or a particular Bible you use as a study, your, your study Bible, um, if you begin to jot notes down that the Holy Spirit's giving you, it becomes a record of your relationship with God. And over the years, as you come back to that, you're like, oh yeah, I remember when the Lord showed me that. It's pretty cool. So this is Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 through 14. We're going to start in verse 7. Let's get a running start and go over some of the ground we've already covered, okay? Hebrews 9, 7, But into, into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. These gifts and offerings cannot perfect, cannot bring to fulfillment, cannot make fully mature, cannot make whole the conscience of the worshiper. The Old Covenant could not and cannot bring wholeness. I, I, earlier today I was starting to think of a ditty where I could sing, you know, Hanukkah doesn't bring holiness. I, you know, I, I, I know I keep banging this drum. I think it's beautiful to connect with Jewish roots. I think it's beautiful to understand the feast cycle. I think it is necessary, absolutely critical, for the saint to be well-versed in the Torah. I mean well-versed. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you're not reading it, um, you, you're not understanding your Bible. Okay, I believe all that. I don't believe you have to be in Christ and become culturally Jewish. That entire covenant, even as it's practiced today, and I'm not throwing down on Judaism, I'm just pointing out the obvious. It is an entire religious base with no blood. It is an entire religion revealed on a mountaintop to, to build a sanctuary where blood was spilled to atone for sin, and it has none of that. It hasn't had it since 70 A.D. Why? Because Christ has come. Because Christ has come. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, 
Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sacrifices for the, uh, sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So, depending on how the Lord allows for space or how this goes, by the time we get to Hebrews 13, we'll be looking at um, the heifer, the red heifer, the sacrifice of the heifer, the ashes, uh, the, the water of cleansing, okay? It's an entire sacrificial process in its own right. There is no Yahweh-mandated sacrifice that doesn't speak of Jesus. And there's no Yahweh-mandated sacrifice, gift, or offering that Jesus did not fulfill. And each one of them in particular speak of a different aspect of all your Lord has done for you. This is why you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and rejoice. And, and, and rejoice in the general. But you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and rejoice in the general and read... Well, you've got to read Acts. So you have the New Testament Pentateuch, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. You have the Old Testament Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers Deuteronomy. Okay? And you read that and you get the details. You get the details of all that Jesus did. Hey, Bill. Okay? Hi, guys. So, I want to remind you that the, as we walk through these sections of Scripture, there's, there's one particular day of offering, as we discussed, that the writer to the... Patrick's home too. Wow. What an exciting day. Um, that it's just been a working day for the Lord. So, the, the, the sacrifice is the Day of Atonement in, in particular, but the writer of the Hebrews is touching upon all of these things, okay? So, if these things, if, if you were unclean uh, for touching a dead body, uh, walking over a tomb, um, had leprosy, got cleansed, and someone took dove's blood and put it on you, or took the water of cleansing and put it on you, and now you're clean. You're not defiling the community. and You can come in because of the ash product of a heifer that got burnt completely and then, in a homeopathic sort of sin remedy, watered down and sprinkled on you, why are we struggling with the fact that the blood of Christ made God forget what you did to offend Him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but somehow we seem to be dead set on remembering what we've done. Versus alive to worship Him who did it for us. I don't remember what I've done. I remember what you've done. Ta-da! <laughs> well, you was there. Okay. Uh, the point of a pure conscience, the point of a pure conscience is to serve God. You know, the record of Scripture is incredible. Moses. Moses was, was a man who understood his destiny. Don't, don't believe any movie you saw. Every movie that I've seen regarding Moses, um, his calling to God comes as a surprise. No, Moses knew what his destiny was. That's why he killed the Egyptian. <laughs> Not because, that's why he did it. He, you know, he was just exercising his authority in a different way, in a wrong way. And God calls him and brings him in. So Moses was a what? Murderer. A murderer. Okay? Paul, Saul of Tarsus. Um, his, his job he volunteered for, he goes up to the Sanhedrin and says, hey, look, these, these people are racketing and ruining our religion. They're just, I mean, the money's going to stop coming in. They're convincing people that this, this Messiah's already come. We know he hasn't. How about you just give me authority to walk into houses, drag them out, beat them until they say Christ isn't Lord, and then kill them. Is that okay with you? Yes, go ahead, do it. And, and it says that he ravaged the church like, like, like a wild wolf 
in the wilderness. I mean, that kind of a description, like a wild beast would do the cattle in. That was Saul of Tarsus. And God calls him. Okay? And God calls him. And here we come. And we come to the cross and we go through baptism and we get committed. And then, oh, God forbid. You know, you fill in the blank. We lied to our employer. We shoplifted. Cheated on our spouse. Did something horrible. And then, well, you know, well, all I can do is sit in the pew. Because I know what I've done. I, I can't, oh, I can't minister. I can't, you could speak. No, I can't witness. I've sinned. Who do we think Jesus is? Or better yet, how self-centered are you? <laughs> the Creator of the heavens and the earth entered a body and then suffered death unimaginable just to rescue you. And you said, no, I'm too bad. I'm sorry. How long are you going to carry around in your head the sin that Christ bled for? That's the question. Because what God wants you is to serve Him. And you can't serve Him when you're bound in guilt. You think I could stand here and teach you if all I did is think about all I've done? Lord have mercy. We just started talking about dry counties a minute ago. I won't even go there now. Okay? And I don't have the excuse of, well, I was brought up, I, I came to the Lord late, so all the stuff I did was when my parents were part of the motorcycle gang. No! We were a Christian family. We invited the motorcycle gang over. Okay? I mean... <laughs> Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Am I preaching to the right crowd? Yeah. Preaching to myself. Amen, right okay? The point of a pure conscience is to serve the living God. So what is a conscience? What is a conscience? Okay? Well, um, the Greek word is sunodesis, and it's a knowing with, a co-knowledge with oneself. You ever had a conversation with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> hey, then maybe you've uh, encountered your conscience. Now, there little caveat here. <laughs> For someone who is not born again, they have a conscience. But they're also dead spiritually. doesn't mean they don't have a spirit. It means that it's apart from God and has no light. So their conscience doesn't always um, get responded to in the correct way. But God has set eternity in their hearts. Let me, let me go forward here. This is Vine's uh, definition that process of thought which distinguishes what it considers morally good or bad, commending the good and condemning the bad, and so prompting to do the former, that be the good, and avoid the latter, that be the bad. Okay? Even in our fallen state. Alright. After Adam and Eve fell, what state were they in? Fallen state. Huh? Fallen. fallen, that's right. <laughs> They're fallen state. I was going to say Texas, but that was wrong. Separation from God. Yes, Spirit. Absolutely. Okay. So now, <laughs> they weren't in Texas. That's Mormonism. No, wait a minute. Back off. Back off. We're not going to go there. Okay. In fallen state. Now, in their fallen state, when God showed up, what did they do? They hid. They hid. Why? They were ashamed. They were ashamed. They were ashamed. Oh, wait a minute. Fallen man's conscience firing on all eight cylinders. Okay? You don't need any more proof text than that. You know why? See, God, you're going to run into people. As you witness Christ, as you witness to people, it's going to come up. You know, what about those who've never heard about Christ? What about those who've never had an opportunity? No, 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 no. See, God made man in his image. So every man knows, intuitively, what sin is. Okay? Oh, I should have <laughs> Alright. The conscience is the witness God has left of himself in the heart of every man. In the heart of every man. God is not unjust when he judges. He's going to judge all of humanity through Jesus Christ whom He raised to the dead, and it will be a just judgment because no one, absolutely no one, is going to be able to say, I did not know. IDK. There's no texting in front of the throne. IDK. Yes, you did. Okay? Here we go. For when Gentiles, Romans 2, verses 14 through 16, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. 
even though they do not have the law. Understand the argument. He's, he's talking to Jewish, belie Jewish believers, and he's saying, look, Gentiles, all right, if you have a Gentile kingdom that says murder is wrong, what does that tell you? It's the witness of God in the culture. Where's the witness of God in the culture come from? The heart of man. Where's that come from? The conscience. Every atheistic argument dro drops on, on the ground right there. Boom. And if you want the notes, I can print them for you. But write the things down you want to write down. Okay? So, morality comes from God. It, it's not developed by man. Well, we think it's a good idea if no one kills each other, so let's make a law that no one kills each other. No. <laughs> make no. a law that no one Let's, let's make a law that only certain people can kill certain people. <laughs> You good, Carol? Yes. Thank you. you got it? Okay, cool. All right. For when Gentiles who do not have a law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a lot of themselves, even though they do not have a law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them when? On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. That. <laughs> Look, the, the not to make you parent. Everyone's worried about Big Brother. <laughs> you got no worries about Big Brother. Big Brother. Big God's got it down. He's got scribe angels. Okay, he's he's got like an inner inner ticker tape inside your heart. It's all gonna crack open. Okay, it's all gonna be there. Well, I didn't know. Well, what about that? What about what, what about that? What about that thought? What about that thought? What about that? Um, Accusing. What about that acute? Not the accuser of the brethren, but the conscience saying, uh-uh-uh, or uh-huh, I do that. Okay? So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in? The Holy Spirit came to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You have a dead spirit and a soul, but it has a conscience. And so now you've got a really huge problem. See, dead spiritually people are really, uh, you know, I don't want to toss around phrases like bipolar, but they're schizophrenic spiritually because they know what right and wrong is, but they really don't know how to pull it off. They can't. There's no power to. But all the inclination to is still there by, by virtue of the conscience that says that's wrong and this is right. Every parent that beat his kids abusively knew it was wrong. Now, they might have beaten past their conscience and they just gave up feeling bad about it. I bet you most of them are substance abusers. You can do the study. You know, I mean, it just goes on. So, so we do things that our conscience says, ooh, that hurt me, I don't like that. So then you drown yourself in what? Entertainment, fantasy, um, drugs, alcohol, whatever, to, to whatever you haven't calloused of your own heart already, make it go down more. Is that chocolate cake? Chocolate cake, you know. Okay, so anyhow, this is coming up. So that's what the conscience is. Are we all pretty, pretty clear on what the conscience is? I mean, we, we should all know, but all right, here we go. So, a pure conscience. Why do we want to have a blood-cleared conscience? What's, you know, to serve loathing God. But how, how, does this, how does this play out? What does Scripture tell us about a pure conscience? It allows God's love to flow through us. See, if I am centered on my brokenness, I'm, I'm just sitting over here, guilt and shame, and I'm not allowing the love of God to come through a heart He cleansed. I can't do it. See, this is the problem is we, we think we can do it. We can't. You need to accept. He, this is why He's Lord. You need to submit <laughs> that God loves you. That's where it's really at. Well, I can't love you because I'm such a creep. Yeah, well, i got to face God can love, okay? <laughs> so, so it'll, well, okay, let me show you. Love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. 1 Timothy 1.5, last part of the verse. So, a pure conscience allows that love of God to flow through. It, it, it takes the focus off of yourself, off of me altogether. They won't think I'm genuine. They won't, they'll, they'll find out I'm a real hypocrite. They'll, I mean, whatever it is, right? 
All the reasons why you can, in fear, pull away from the human being God wants to draw in. It qualifies, it qualifies us to serve the body of Christ. It qualifies us to serve. Okay? 1 Timothy 3.9 says, Deacons must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. With a clear conscience. So it qualifies us to serve. And then it keeps our faith boat afloat. I like that. I really like that. Keeps our faith boat afloat. I mean, it's pretty cool, right? All right. Rejecting a good conscience can shipwreck your faith. 1 Timothy 1.19. Okay? So we're not talking about a small matter here. But I am talking about the simplicity that's in Christ. <laughs> I'm not talking about sweating it out. When you see this, you're going to go, when I saw this, I, I said, well, this has been my problem all along. My problem, my problem with my besetting sin was I built a memorial for it at the foot of the cross. And so I never walked away from it. I, I was, my sin was like one of these roadside reefs you see, you know. I mean, that's where I went all the time. Well, that's, that's, yep, that's me, right there, right at the foot of the cross. Never progressed through the gifts, sacrifices, and offerings of the blood of Jesus Christ for a free conscience. And so, because I was focused on my sin, all I did was repeat it. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. You don't get any magic with God. God doesn't come up to you and go, Oh, I see. I see your, your um, you know, and then snaps. It's relational. God says, I healed you. Then you say, I believe you. And he goes, see, look, you're healed. Just like I said you were. Thank you, Lord. God says, I forgave you. And you say, in faith, I'm forgiven. God says, yeah, like I said. <laughs> It's a faith thing. Well, that's hard. Praise you, praise yeah. you, Lord. I praise you. Amen. My goodness. First John three verses eighteen through twenty. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before Him. We're talking about being in the holiest of all, so we need a heart reassured. We're not. We're not crawling in. Um, like a penitent pagan through sufferings of the flesh with head down hoping we get an audience with God. God ripped His Son in half so you could walk into His front room and talk with Him. Okay? So, we reassure our hearts. He's fine, by the way. God's fine. You know, it's, are you okay, Dad? No, He's been fine. He's, he's the one saying, it's okay, son, come on. It's all right. It's all right. For whenever our heart condemns us, oh, I love this, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. Isn't that good news? Amen. I preach myself happy. Amen. God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. You know what's funny about this? We usually show up to God wringing our hands about the thing that we are really, really upset about, and He's like... Wait till I tell them they got to deal with this. Ah, we'll get to it. Come on in, you know? I mean, you ever have God peel your onion? Right? It makes you cry, but it's not painful because He does it out of love. See, God does it entirely different than we do it. Oh, and when you learn to make your room right, we're going to get on how you do your shoes or whatever, you know? God's not a matter like that. You know? If you just pick up your socks... Um, that's what I used to tell my brother. You just pick up your socks and stop crawling over to my side of the room. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> well, I mean, they did crawl, but that's... Okay. <laughs> For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Beloved, watch this. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. You do nothing for the kingdom of God without faith. You can do nothing for the kingdom of God without faith. And faith works through love. I know your works. I have this one thing against you. You've lost your first love. So you can work all day long. You can have all the food pantries. You can start hospitals. You can do schools. You can do a whole bunch of busy stuff. 
that looks like it's for the kingdom out of your own flesh, and it'll burn. If you do it in faith on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you will be rewarded, and the kingdom of God will grow. Okay? But we need to have confidence before God because that's what engages faith. If I go to lay hands on someone who is demonized with, with an alcoholic spirit, and then, and then I'm like, well, I, I can't minister to him. I've been a drunk in my life. Jesus took the twelve and said, you know, freely you've received, so freely give. You know, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. I've always wondered how many of them were dead, possessed, or sick before he chose them, right? <laughs> Anyhow. Mm -hmm. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Okay, so this is how hard it is. This is not sweat. This is not grit. This is, I believe in Jesus and I love you. How hard is that? That's what John said in, it was in uh, 1 John 4, 16, that we have believed and received the love. Yeah. And, and, and it's all motivated by His love. That's it. it mm -hmm. That He has towards us. You know? Amen. It's not the believement. The Holy Spirit is He is the personal agent that translates to you the vitality, the virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. Okay? This is not a general concept. This is a real, this is this is a reality. Jesus of Nazareth, resurrected, sits on the right hand of God in the throne of heaven with blood running through his veins. And the life-giving Spirit of your risen Lord and Savior is transmitted to you by the abiding Holy Spirit in your heart so you can love people and ask God for things in prayer and faith and watch them happen. Hallelujah. What a rough life we live. Oh my land, saints. Ah. If our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. And then when we pray, we receive. When we ask. Right? Ah. Ask His prayer. Ask His prayer. <clears throat> I, got, I got a lot more ground to cover. Okay, so here's the faith feedback loop. This is how good our Father is. He starts us on a track and He says, you know, if you do this, it, so, so think of this as a wind-up, right? It's a wind-up. It just kind of and it, 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 every time you go around the circle, it just gets um, uh, more virile, more, more strong, more powerful, more greater, right? Here we go. Ready? Here's the faith feedback loop. You have faith in Christ. And you're cleansed from sin. Okay? And then you love the forgiver, and you love the forgiven. She loves much because she was forgiven much. And then he turned... To the woman and said, your faith has made you whole. Remember that? So, when we have faith in Christ and we receive forgiveness for our sins, the automatic reaction, God designed this process. You don't even have to, I mean, you, you don't, this is, this is a almost, well, it's a supernatural, but it's a natural reaction. Then when you're forgiven, you're thankful. You love the person who forgave you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, faith in Christ comes from sin. You love the forgiver and you love the forgiven. Because before, you might have looked at other people and gone, yeah, well, that person, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But then you look at that person and go, well, God forgave them too. <laughs> We're all forgiven. Right? <clears throat> and then you have confidence in God. You have confidence in God personally. And if you're in a group of forgiven people, you have confidence in God corporately. Why? Because you believed in the goodness of God. You believed in the love of God. Now you have confidence toward God. And you get your prayers answered. And when your prayers get answered, you know what happens? You have more faith in Christ. And when you have more faith in Christ, you walk away from more sin. And when you walk away from more sin, you have more love for the forgiver and the forgiven. And when you love the forgiven more, 
You pray more. And when you pray more, He answers more. And you know what happens? Your faith grows again. Mm -hmm. And it just goes. And it goes from glory to glory. Amen. From faith to faith. Now, is that hard? I mean, we make it hard. I we think. make it hard. But that is just a yeah. simple reality, simple truth, right? So, gifts, sacrifices, and offerings. You know, when the Holy Spirit uses different words and, and we're in the same mind frame, you need to stop because He's using different words. <laughs> he didn't just say sacrifices. He said gifts, sacrifices, and offerings. Gifts, sacrifice, gifts and sacrifices are offered, Hebrews 9.9. 9. Blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, Hebrews 9.13. These are different types of sacrifices, right? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year, Hebrews 10.3. Particularly, this refers to the Day of Atonement. And we went through all the different sacrifices in that Day of Atonement. But what does it say? That on that Day of Atonement, there is a memorial to sin. Now, we have um, a practice that has become a ceremony, uh, a sacrament of the church, if you will, that we call Holy Communion. What do we remember? What are we what are we to remember at communion? We're remembering yeah, we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice. On the day of atonement, you know what they're remembering? Their sins. When we sit down for the love feast, what we are remembering is the love of the one we are feasting with. That's the memorial. Not okay, everybody sit around. So what's the qualification? Come to the table forgiven. Come to the table without any kind of uh, interference, interpersonal interference. Get it all squared away. It's not a time for, okay, now, now we're going to have the Holy Communion, you know, break the um, gluten-free cracker thing, um, and, and, and the unalcoholic juice. Now everybody, remember all the sins you've done today in this past year, and confess them all. And, and then we'll take these things. We don't do that. We're New Testament saints. We remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. Okay? But, in these sacrifices, there's a, there is a reminder of sin. Every year, it's like, you're, you're sin. You're sin. You're sin. See, far from cleansing the sin, the Old Covenant memorialized it. The Old Covenant memorialized it. The, reason, the, the purpose of the law is to show all men guilty before God. So it's no wonder that all men are guilty under the law. Mm. Amen? Nicholas. Hebrews 10.4. Nicholas? Yes, sir. Just, just regarding communion, just how I was raised to interpret the verse, it says not to eat or drink unworthily. Uh -huh. And usually that we were told that you are looking back at your sins and confessing or whatever, right. but what, what do you think that means? Well, if you want a real rubber meets the road interpretation of that <laughs> is he was chiding them for showing up drunk and bumping in line to the degree that the love feast was meant to feed the church, particularly those who, who um, were poor you know, Jesus' advice or, or commandment on feasting wasn't to invite all your friends, but to invite the poor, those who couldn't eat. So these people were showing up, and they were bumping ahead in line and, and, and disregarding each other and showing up drunk. And he said, don't you have houses you, you could do all that stuff in? Why are you doing it here? And, and so because they, they had turned the love feast to look more like, um, uh, you know, a pagan feast, then people were dying. People weren't getting fed. So, um, I think the other aspect applies. Jesus says, if you if you show up to the altar and, offer, and you're offering a gift, and there remember you have ought against your brother, well, leave the gift, go get straight with your brother, and then come back and offer the gift. So, if I'm going to sit at a table and, and communion with a body of saints while, you know, I'm PO'd at you because um, you said a cross word or something. Okay, yeah, 
I'm not getting the spirit of this thing. He didn't say anything cross to me, okay? <laughs> right? But you follow what I'm saying? It's relationships and kitten relationships. It's absolutely to, to, um, to, to walk through that and to acknowledge Christ's forgiveness. If we are, if we are doing communion correctly, you, you can't walk through that without unconfessed sin. You can't walk through that without being cleansed. But the point isn't a remembrance of sin. The point is a cleansing of sin. Okay? It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible. There is no human sacrifice in the Old Covenant. I, I'm just going to keep saying this over and over and over again. The Old Covenant cannot make you holy. Can't do it. You need a bloodbath to be cleansed. And, and the soul life of animals, okay? Really quick. Soul life, nephesh, was not around until God created it and He put it in animals. And then out of that which He created and put in animals, He shaped for man. When He put His Spirit in Adam, and Adam became a living soul, says that God made him, okay? So, form made and created. He made him. So, if you've ever wondered why humans and animals can interact, it's because it's the same type of animating force. Why? God used the animating force, the life of the flesh is in the blood, He used the animating force in animals with, that was analogous to the animating force in man to cover over for. That's how He could use it, because animals... <coughs> um, you know, basically we're morally okay. Right? Anyhow, that's a short version of that. The, it, also, also, the Old Testament, all, all the blood that was shed for the sacrifices and that, that was all a, a picture or a shadow of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us. So yes. It wasn't. It wasn't all for nothing. Oh, I'm, yeah, absolutely not for nothing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and it, it just. But there was a shadow of pointing to what Christ was going to do when He shed His blood for us. That is correct. Absolutely. Amen. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Hebrews ten verses five through seven. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, full stop. Even though there's a comma there, when did Christ come into the world? Well, that's, a, that's a good answer there too in the beginning but in, in, in specific with this verse is when Christ came in the world he said sacrifices and offerings you have desired but a body you have prepared for me I believe this was Christ's exit speech out of heaven prophetically spoken out of, out of David's pen okay but this is his exit speech the Holy Spirit brought him down into the womb of Mary. Oh, wow. That's, that's a body you have prepared for me. This is a declaration from the eternal Son of God as He left heaven. I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I, I, I thought that way back then He was speaking that, that He would do that. He did. And, 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 and He did. I, but, <laughs> <laughs> well, that came with the authority. Um, I, okay, I... I understand that it says in Daniel that one of the things the Messiah is going to do when he shows up is he's going to put an end to this the animal sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So when I read that, I see sacrifices and offering you have not desired, meaning that was a system to point, but right. you, pre but a body you prepared for me. I look at that as the body he lives through today in his body of Christ. I mean, we it's like he he now is in heaven. He's done all the work, mm -hmm. but he is living through his physical body legally on the earth yes. building his kingdom. So yes. I, I've looked at that as like in that way. Yeah. I mean, it, it is something that yes, he was born of a virgin just as it was foretold. Um so that's for him to to be physically born to fulfill that word. On the other hand, you know, what are the, his, the riches, uh, you know, uh, what's the verse that, you know. The riches of his inheritance in the saints. In the saints, yeah, is they are his body. So yes. I, I've looked at it as, as that we're the body that God has prepared 
for him to, to yeah but it, absolutely. it could be both and yes, I think in terms of application, that's that's completely, absolutely true. Yeah, we are the body of Christ. And in, in, in reference to context of what it's saying is this comparison of animal sacrifices to the sacrifice of his own body. And in his own body, there was no male donator. So it, it was Mary that said, so be it unto me according to thy will. And, and, the, and the life... That began that whole process was the was was the life of the eternal Son of God. But he he came down, like I say, he, you know, he 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 came down to the singularity of uh, of a human cell. You know, I mean, but uh, uh, okay. So body you prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then said I, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. I'm not going to take you through all the technicalities of that. But basically, in the scroll of the book means the Torah. In the scroll of the book means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So, in, in the same body of Scripture, where all these animal sacrifices were laid out, Jesus is saying, all these things, not getting it done, but you made a body I could put on the altar to get it done. Okay? And... and and this reference here tells you that the Torah is about Jesus, if you had any doubt. Okay? So, um, Jesus fulfilled all the Old Covenant sacrifices and offerings with the offering and sacrifice of Himself. Okay? He got it all done. So, it's, it's, you know, if you want to look at it as a diamond, you know, okay, it's the, it's the entire diamond. But that thing is cut in such such beautiful facets that that you know you need to turn that thing around for a while and really enjoy, really joy, you know, enjoy be in joy of all that Christ has done for you. And the specificity of all the things he's done for you is in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I can't say it enough. He ran, he ran the devil off, and all he did was pull out Deuteronomy. Okay? And here we're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Alright. I love this. Matthew 8. Leper on the side of the road. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. And the leper says to, to, to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He didn't doubt Jesus' ability to cleanse his leprosy at all. He just wanted to know if he was willing to cleanse his leprosy. Now, some might say that's a faith problem. I think that's a pretty good, humble position to be in. You know? Now, it is God's will for you to be healed. Just want to let you know that. But it's nice to let yourself be subject to God's will. Right? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And what Jesus said, some of the most beautiful words, Jesus, all His words are beautiful, but these are precious. I will be clean. That is your master's desire. His will. And you know what? Because He will, what's He going to do? He is going to make you clean. That's the other problem. We're trying to clean our conscience. If you just let Him clean your conscience, it would be clean. Amen. If you let the strong man take over everything in the house, this strong man, well, not that image, you know, he didn't look like that, but you get it, right? Three main blood offerings in the Old Testament. The sin offering, covered in Leviticus 4. The burnt offering, Leviticus 1. And the peace offering, Leviticus 3. The sin offering was for unintentional sins. We went over this. Right? Uh, all these sacrifices were for unintentional sins. The sacrifice for intentional sins was stoning. <laughs> You're dying. Right? There you go. One human sacrifice, it was execution. Leviticus 4.2 and Numbers 15.27-31. Hands were laid on the sacrifice for confession of sins. Leviticus 4, 27-29. Now, I didn't get into these finer details of the doctrine of laying on of hands when we went over um, uh, Hebrews 5 and 6. But the laying on of hands, see, we're supposed to lift up holy hands. I see no problem lifting up hands in confession so He can make my hands holy. Amen? Hands laid on the sacrifice for confession of sins the focal point of the offering 
was the blood on the altar for forgiveness of sins, Leviticus 4, 30-31. So these three main blood sacrifices each have a focal point. Focal point of this one is the blood on the altar and its confession of sin. Okay? Now, the burnt offering. It's a free will offering. You're doing it because you want it. You're doing it because you want it. Lord, if you will, saints, if you will, if you're willing, free will offering. Leviticus 1.3. No, I'm not going to do a Calvinistic joke there. All right. Hands were laid on the sacrifice for consecration of the gift. We do this when we dedicate babies. We do this when we dedicate a building. We, you know, laying on of hands. There is a transmission of energy in the laying on of hands. Hands were laid, and identification, hands laid on the sacrifice for consecration of the gift and the offer, Leviticus 1, verses 4 through 5. And the focal point was the burning of the body on the altar. The sin sacrifice was the pouring of the blood on the altar. The burnt offering, the whole thing's burnt up on the end. It's an entire burnt offering <coughs> to God. Okay? Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> I did that. I backed it when I dropped it. Now, here's, here's some common language with refer to the burnt offering. Uh, uh, the King James says, a sweet savor unto the Lord. Smell good. Like when you're having a good barbecue, you know, you're driving through and you're like, someone's having a barbecue. Okay. The altar of burnt offering, God's barbecue. And you may laugh, but there's more to that than you think. Because it really is not only the altar, but God's barbecue. And so when that is laid on there, it smells good to God. Right? Uh, the the, the uh, English Standard Version is a pleasing aroma. Right? And you'll see another one here uh, in, in a bit. So, the peace offering. The peace offering was a fellowship offering that came in three forms. A thank offering, a payment of a vow, and a voluntary offering. That's Leviticus 3, verses 11 and 16. With Leviticus 7, verses 11 through 16. Hands are laid on the offering with a view toward communion. Hands again. So then he took the bread. He took the bread. And he broke it. Right? Hands laid on it for communion. <clears throat> the focal point was the breaking of the bread, the fellowship meal that's shared with God, friends, and family. So unlike the burnt offering, there's meat left over from this offering that you're supposed to eat that day. It's not like, put this in the fridge, you know, call the cousins over, maybe next weekend you can give your testimony about being forgiven. No. That day, we're going to sit down to have supper. That day, you're going to eat with God. That day, you're going to eat with the community. That is the peace offering. Okay? It's a big deal to sit down and eat with somebody. Okay? Just got to know. So, confession, consecration, and communion is the way He has provided for us to have a blood-cleared conscience. Our problem is, we focus just here. We get stuck in confession, and we forget consecration, communion. And if you do confession, consecration, communion, you're on your way. You receive the sacrifice. How do you apply the blood? Levites sprinkle the blood with their finger or with sprinklers like wool and hyssop, but we're New Testament saints, and we apply the blood of Jesus Christ with our mouths. That's how we apply the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We confess it. Romans 10, verses 6 through 8. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. I think these verses are a quote from Deuteronomy. Um, <laughs> but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we proclaim. Because if you confess, verses 9 through 11, with your mouth that, the, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You see that? Confession with faith is how we apply the blood. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, if I believe that Jesus has forgiven my sin, if I believe God has forgiven my sin, 
I don't have a shame fear anymore, do I? Because Scripture says, I'm not going to be put to shame. Amen. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. you got to believe it. Well, you believed it to get born again. After that, everything is pretty much academic, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out of work. I don't know if I can get a new job. Well, let me see. Some time ago, someone told you about a man you never saw who died on a hill you never saw two millennia ago and said it was for you and you believed his blood bought you eternal life. You believe that? Yeah, but I don't know if he can get me a job. Come on! <laughs> it's a faith thing. Confession with faith is how we apply the blood. So watch this. Jesus is our sin sacrifice. Hebrews 7, verses 26-27. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He offered up himself. He is the sin sacrifice. That blood. Remember, the blood spilled on the altar is the point of the sin sacrifice. 1 John 1, 9 through uh, 2.1 If we confess our sins, see that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And just. He's just to forgive your sin. It's justice for God to forgive your sin. It's unjust for you to carry it around. You were never built to carry sin. This is incredible to me. Uh, well, not incredible. I mean, this is amazing to me. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it wholeheartedly. Okay? Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing up here preaching. If we say, if we say we've not sinned, we make Him a liar. It's not an issue of whether you sin or not. It's an issue of whether you believe His forgiveness or not. You understand? And His Word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm not, I'm not writing you this so you just go, oh, okay, well, God says I'm a sinner, so I can't help myself. No! I'm, don't do that. But if you do, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. Jesus, what does He say? Father, I paid for that. Father, I got beat for that. Father, I died for that. Hallelujah. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Can you read all of nine again? All of nine? The whole, might, the whole might, chapter? No. I think you oh. might have missed the second half of... Uh, where, where, are we, where are we at? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. 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 All right. Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence, to enter into the holy places, how? By the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Now watch this. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is to say, through His flesh. This new is the Greek word prospatos. Pros means before, and phatos means, or, or spatos means slaughter, butcher. Mm. God has made... Well, here we go. The blood of Jesus in the recently slain and living way. That's what that verse says. He made a way through us. Now remember, the Day of Atonement, you had a sacrificed goat and the one let free. The one let free had on his head sins that were atoned for. You have Christ died, Christ resurrected. When His body sins, as Stephen said, we are His body. When His body sins, He says, my body died for that. You see how logical and consistent God is? Mm -hmm. He can't kill your body when you believe in Jesus because you, you're not going to... It's a point of man wants to die and then the judgment. That's a good connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Jesus died for that. You're His body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, now, I had a new insight this week to just bless my socks off it. So, I, I threw it into this teaching because it fit. No. Um, I think it would bless you too. 1 John 5, verses 7 through... Uh, 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we've heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and watch that, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This verse has always bugged me. This is Jesus' blood cleansing me of sin while I'm walking in light, while I'm in fellowship with Him. I've always conflated this with what comes next, but this is the living way. He has made access to the Father through the fleshly, freshly slaughtered and living way. Well, this is the living way, freedom from sin. When we walk with Him, He's alive. This is the blood on the throne. This is the blood in the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth. The, the, the virtue of with the Holy Spirit comes into your body with. And as you fellowship with Him in the light, His blood, His life, God made the second Adam a life-quickening spirit. Cleanses you from sin. That's the living way. You with me? Alright. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the once for all freshly slain way. 1 John. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes sense? So this is why you, cannot, you can't simply just get stuck. Not that it's unimportant. I'll keep saying this. It's highly important. That the blood that Jesus spilled on Calvary paid for your sins. But the blood that pumps through His heart and His resurrected body today keeps you from your sins. That's exciting, Isaac. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's the living Lord. He's not a historical personage I aim to, to emulate. He is a living Lord and Savior who directs me away from slavery to service. Amen? Jesus, our burnt offering. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Remember, the burnt offering is the body burnt on the altar that's the focus. That's Hebrews 10.10. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering. Remember that, that pleasant smelling, that sweet savor? A fragrant offering. That's the hallmark language of the burnt offering. And sacrifice to God. That's Ephesians 5.2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, renewing your mind, right? And transform by renewing your mind, not conforming to the ways of this world. This is the burnt offering. This is the burnt offering. If I decide to walk in sin consciousness after I've confessed my sin and have faith in being forgiven, and I'm walking around kicking myself for something that Jesus already bled, died, and resurrected for, I'm not renewing my mind. I'm not walking in the renewed, transformed reality of how Christ has set me free from the bondage to sin to serve the living God. Jesus, our peace offering. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. He Himself is our peace. Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 14. You, you can read all of Ephesians. Read all of Ephesians. Made, 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 you know, I mean, behold, Jew, Gentile, one body, peace with God, access to the Father through the Spirit, the whole, the whole bit, through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Through Him then... Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. Remember, we apply it with the mouth. The fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and share communion. Share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You see how this translates? We've just taken all of this shadow in the Old Testament and brought it into the light of life in Jesus Christ of how to walk out your freedom from sin. Our freedom from sin. The cleansing of the conscience. We confess our sins to receive forgiveness through His blood. That's taking the sin offering of Jesus Christ. Okay? We consecrate ourselves as living sacrifices to walk in love as Christ loved us. That is 
taking Jesus as our burnt offering. And then we commune with the Father in the Holy of Holies, congregating with and doing good for the saints and giving praise to His name. That is taking Jesus as our peace offering. This is how we walk in a clear conscience. Away from dead works to serve the living God. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Don't forget, Jesus said, Jesus said, I will be clean. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank Hallelujah. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's great.